It's another week in the books, everybody. Friday is here, which means it is time to enjoy the weekend and talk about the newest episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Welcome to another episode of The Arnies, my friends. I'm your host tonight, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. the person that wrote those weird questions for the Good Morning America host to Ask Captain America. And I'm Keith Baker, a.k.a. Wyatt Russell's chin that we are just now seeing in his acting career. And I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. the latest addition to the Avengers, Flagstaff. We hope you've all been having a great week as well as another week of great content consumption. A couple hours ago, I started Invincible on Amazon Prime, a new superhero show from Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who kickstarted The Boys on Amazon Prime as well. It's based on the comic book series by Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead, and starring Steven Yeun, J.K. Simmons, Gillian Jacobs, and frankly, the rest might be the most stacked voice cast I've seen in a while. The first three episodes are available now. So guys, I've been enjoying it. But what about you guys? What have you been watching? Dang, that cast sounds incredible. I love each one of them. I'm going to have to check that out. Um, I actually just started watching The Flight Attendant on HBO Max. Mm. It's got Kali uh, Cuckoo of The Big Bang Theory fame. I'm only one episode in, and uh, it right now follows this really reckless flight attendant who's also an alcoholic who wakes up after her one night stand with uh, the guy she was sleeping with has been murdered in the bed next to her. And she can't remember if she did it or just is an innocent bystander. So pretty interesting. I can't wait to see how the mystery unfolds. To be honest, guys, I have not been watching anything new, but I do have some news. I have stopped watching Vikings. As of right now, I'm just taking a little break, but I think I'm going to start watching Clone Wars. Clone Wars is a big one. I got to start that as well. Um, yeah, I'm excited to start watching it to fill in those gaps for us. I know. What happened to young Annie? How did he go from guy with a rat tail that wanted to have sex with Padme and committed genocide to a guy without a rat tail that's in love with Padme and committed genocide? <laughs> I just have to know the gaps. <laughs> you need that Ahsoka content. You need more of that in your life. Yep. That's right. That's right. But anyway, everybody, along with that, of course, the Falcon and Winter Soldier has been part of our weekly TV. If you didn't know, we did an entire TV review series on WandaVision before this. So if you love that and didn't check out our thoughts on it, head to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, leave us a review, and scroll up to our WandaVision episode so you can give that a listen if you haven't already. If this is your first episode of The Arnies, though, welcome. We're very happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday. And last week was a big one. We covered the highly anticipated four-hour epic, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Austin, how did you feel about finally seeing the mythical Snyder cut, and why should people check out our episode? Man, I just, I still cannot believe this thing actually exists. It was a blast to finally be able to, you know, watch it, and after hearing about it for four years, um, it's so rare to see a movie where literally nothing was cut from it. So that is an experience like that's unique in its own. We had a lot of fun breaking that one down. If anybody is curious about like how the Snyder Cut movement came to be, uh, we spent the beginning of the intro kind of talking about the history and, and what happened with all the fans calling for HBO Max to release the movie. And then we did break down the actual film in our typical roundtable discussion. We had a lot of fun moments kind of making fun of this weird choir that likes to sing about Aquaman. We broke down a lot of the action and we broke down kind of our new villains, uh, Steppenwolf and Darkseid as well. I think people like that episode for sure. I think we were all surprised by the movie and our conversation turned out really well. So definitely check that one out. But as for this coming Tuesday, we are leaving the DCEU and returning to the MCU for a continued retrospective and review series covering phase one with Iron Man 2, the much divisive, I guess you would say. Anyway, Keith, are you looking forward to watching this one again? I am. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen this one. 
you know, Mickey Rourke is in this. And he's got some crazy funny lines in this. I'm excited to break down with you guys. He wants his bird. He wants to find his bird. Yeah, he wants to feed his bird. (laughs) That's really it. We got some Sam Rockwell in Mm -hmm. here. Uh, I think he's pretty good in in this movie as well. So, yeah, I'm excited to see this cast come alive in this one and and see what kind of uh, ways to plot, you know, twists. Because, you know, when we bring up Mickey Rourke, he kind of does what Obadiah Stane tried to do in The Last Iron Man is create his own suit. Will it be necessary? Absolutely not, but I can't wait to talk about it. So keep an eye (laughs) out, everybody, for that episode drop. So we have some great content out now and some more exciting stuff on the way. Also, keep in mind, we want to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us, thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Let us know how you're feeling about all this content. But now, my friends, it is time. Austin and Keith, please remind everybody of your thoughts on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier premiere from last week, and then follow that up with your non-spoiler thoughts on episode two. Yeah, I was really high on the premiere of this show. I've really enjoyed the action and also the great character moments that we got in the finale. Um, I think they carry quite a bit of that momentum into episode two. I do think the action kind of falls off from what we got in episode one. I don't think there's any particularly exciting action sequences in episode two, but we did get some really great character moments with uh, both Bucky and Sam kind of uniting for the first time in this show. And then also a reveal about the history of the super soldier program. That was super interesting. So the action was a bit of a a step down for me this week, but uh, the character moments I thought were still great. Yeah. I'll second that. Not too much to add there. Um, just to kind of touch on what you said, Austin, with whole the whole Sam and Bucky thing, it, it's kind of weird because this one, when I was watching this episode, it felt a little bit like, you know, the Avenger universe, but at the same time, it kind of felt going to what we just mentioned earlier in our, in our uh, introduction uh, of the boys. It kind of felt boys-like to me in this episode. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. They're really diving into like the darker history of Marvel in this one, yeah. which is pretty interesting. I agree. I agree. Um, I really like this episode. I thought it was really good. Um, surprising in several ways in terms of, I would say, the characters they chose to spend time with as opposed to others and the amount of action. And then like you guys also said, I was very pleasantly surprised to see kind of where they were going when it comes to some elements that were already familiar with the MCU, particularly, like you said, the Super Soldier program. So very interesting episode. Um And I I guess the best thing I can say is I feel like episode twos kind of have a weird thing when it comes to series, especially ones like this that are just miniseries, six episodes long, very short. It's like, okay, you gave us great momentum in the first episode. Does this continue it? Do I feel like it's I'm being propelled the same amount until like the second half of the series? And this one did that for me. Like by the end of this episode, I was like, okay, I feel like we're at a pretty good trajectory. I feel like next episode is really going to give us everything all the characters and set up and the back half is going to be perfectly set up to give us whatever this however the story unfolds whatever it may be so i think we're at a really good pace right now so i'm really liking the show so far yeah i think they got the format and the formula down with the show like kind of earlier than you usually see with new shows like wandavision that kind of took a while for them to figure out a good balance and it seems like here they've kind of got it nailed down at least from the start of the first two episodes for sure for sure i think in large part due to the shorter amount of episodes so i'm liking to see the pace like i said already so so with that everybody it sounds like all three of us recommend this episode if you haven't started the falcon and the winter soldier already go ahead the first two episodes are out now i think you'll enjoy them but with that though we cannot get into the rest of our thoughts without a spoiler warning so for the rest of this episode we will be getting into the nitty-gritty giving our full thoughts no holds barred and we'll be spoiling every little detail
as usual, let's start off our spoiler conversation with the full cast and crew. So, Keith, this is Season 1, Episode 2. The episode's called The Star-Spangled Man. Give me the breakdown. The show is created by Malcolm Spellman. This episode is directed by Kari Skoglin and written by Michael Castellan. Our cast, Anthony Mackie, is back as Falcon and Sebastian Stan returns as the Winter Soldier. So this week, uh, we get a you know, little new cast in here. Uh, we got Wyatt Russell as John Walker, the new Captain America. We get Clay Bennett as Lamar Hoskins. We get Aaron Kellyman as Carly Morgenthau. Carl Lumby as Isaiah Bradley. And Daniel Bruhl returning as Zemo. Nice. All right, guys. So any highlights here as far as the cast goes? Yeah, so last week we revealed it, but Keith, of course, had a huge part in the movie Everybody Wants Him, where he met Wyatt Russell on set. (laughs) And uh, I got to say, Keith's co-star, Wyatt Russell, was kind of a highlight for me this week. His character went in a different direction than I was anticipating, and uh, I'm kind of on board with his motivation. So he was a big surprise for me this week. I'll second that. Yeah, Wyatt Russell. Like I said, this is the first time we actually see his chin. He looks so different compared to his past roles. He always has the beard like in Goon 2. Uh, he always has like the longer hair like in 22 Jump Street. So it's like a different look for him too. Uh, but yeah, the guy's a good actor. Um, and yeah, definitely enjoyed his performance in this one as well. Yeah, we talked about it last week. They could have gone a couple of different ways here. They could have had his like public facing persona be, I'm Captain America, but behind closed doors, he's just an asshole. Or he could just be a total doof. But I thought they found a pretty good common ground here. I mean, like you guys said, he's just seemingly so far a genuinely good guy that actually has credentials that would lead him to being chosen for Captain America. That being said, it's still fucked up that they didn't even tell Sam or anybody that, like, they should be chosen. So we don't have to, we can't forget about that. But still, the guy has credentials, which he talks about. And yeah, the performance of Wyatt Russell here, I thought was just fantastic. He was great. He had the cockiness at times where it felt appropriate. He felt a bit vulnerable in that opening sequence before going out, kind of coaching himself through it. And yeah, out of all the characters so far, Aside, of course, from Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm so curious where this one will end up by the end, because I have no clue. I will say, though, when he has the Captain America helmet on, he looks like a baby. Like, he looks like a baby face behind that helmet. He does, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was just going to shout out to Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan as well. I like seeing them two together for the first time again, mm-hmm. and seeing their, their darker side, and seeing them without the rest of the Avenger cast is kind of interesting to watch. I thought they were both great this episode as well. The final one I would shout out is Carl Lumbly as Isaiah Bradley. I didn't really have any familiarity with that character, and I found that scene really intriguing, and I'm praying, I'm hoping that there's more to it. Like, not even just, they gave us so much in that scene, but I feel like there could be some really interesting elements by bringing back this character. Not like, and just even small doses. So I hope we get more of this because I thought the scene was a top tier scene. I think a flashback to the Korean War would be a really cool scene to have. Ooh, yeah. It'd be really cool. I was kind of picturing that. I was hoping they were going to do that. Now, I have a fun little thing for both of you. Austin more so, but I think Keith will still like it. So I was listening to Carl Lumbly, you know, talk in this episode and I was like, either I know this guy's face or I know his voice. I went back through his IMDb and of course I saw some projects on there. I was like, oh, okay, I know him from that. But the voice, Austin. There was something on his IMDb that I was like, that's what it's from. Did you recognize his voice from anything? Is he a voice actor in an animated show? He is. Is he in fucking, is he in Justice League Unlimited? He is. Who does he voice? 
Oh, is he fucking Martian Manhunter? He is. He is the voice of Martian Manhunter in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Wow. Okay. Man, that's going to be hard to get that out of my head now while watching the show if he appears again. Yeah, he was really great. (laughs) (laughs) So, real quick, everybody, before we get into our roundtable discussion, here's what happened in the episode, in case you forgot. So, John Walker is our new Captain America, played by Wyatt Russell. He makes an appearance on Good Morning America as Captain America and reveals his desire to live up to Steve Rogers' mantle. Meanwhile, Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes struggle to work together as Barnes expresses disapproval in Wilson's decision to surrender the shield. They travel to Germany and find the Flag Smashers smuggling medicine. Wilson identifies a possible hostage as revealed to be the group's leader, Carly Morgenthau. The Flag Smashers, all with superhuman strength, quickly overpower Barnes and Wilson until Walker and his partner Lamar Hoskins come to their aid. Walker requests Barnes and Wilson join him in aiding the Global Repartition Council, the GRC, to quash the ongoing violent post-blip revolutions, but of course they refuse. Traveling to Baltimore, Barnes introduces Wilson to Isaiah Bradley, a veteran super soldier active during the Korean War, but he refuses to help them due to his troubled past with Barnes. Barnes is then arrested for missing a court-mandated therapy appointment, but is released when Walker intervenes. He once again asks Barnes and Wilson to work with him to track down the Flag Smashers, but they refuse once again, and Walker warns them to stay out of his way. Finally, Barnes suggests they visit Zemo in prison in Berlin to gather intelligence related to the Flag Smashers. All right, Matt, thanks for that plot summary. Let's now get into our roundtable discussion. We all brought some points that we want to break down for this week's episode. Please take it away. Of course, Keith kind of mentioned it already, but it's one we have to talk about a bit more in depth. A big selling point of this episode after the premiere especially is we have our title characters interacting for the first time this season. So it seems they're setting up this antagonistic and begrudgingly partnership type relationship that we saw bits and pieces of in Civil War, but I want to know more about it. How did you guys feel about seeing Sam and Bucky work together and attempt to resolve some of their issues in this episode? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, like I said, I like seeing like the darker side of them and, and that it's not always like fun and games that it's it, they do have some like some issues obviously like they actually they go to therapy together so that was funny to watch yeah the the therapy scene that Keith mentioned really I didn't like it in the trailers because it seemed like they were just playing it for laughs but yeah. actually seeing the entire scene worked way better for me than I expected it to um, it, it was cool to see them unite again in the show I think a lot of their dialogue especially while they're in combat in that Munich scene uh, a lot of their dialogue did kind of make that whole sequence of events feel a little bit cheesy because it kind of seemed like they were both just going for like who's going to have the funniest one-liners but when they're actually away from the combat and just like walking together and interacting those were the scenes that i enjoyed the most with them this week i agree i'm I'm trying to remember what these guys were like in the previous movies did these guys get along did they talk at all that's what i was trying to remember that's that's what i've been struggling with too keith because i I honestly don't remember Falcon having that close of a relationship with Captain America. Like, obviously, Bucky and Cap did, but I don't really remember the Captain America and Falcon relationship being strong enough for him to leave him the shield. See, I do. See, yeah. I, can do I do remember theirs more. Yeah, I'm with Keith on that. The Bucky-Sam part is one that I think they're kind of cheating a little bit. So, yeah, I think whenever we get to it in our retrospective and review series, we'll see. But in Winter Soldier especially... Sam and Steve form a close bond that we see more of in Civil War, that we see more of in Infinity War, and just hints and pieces of an endgame. So there's enough there for me. But when it comes to Bucky, who was just a villain during Winter Soldier, 
and then put under ice at the end of Civil War, and then he's in Wakanda for Infinity War. Really, the only time we saw him and Sam together was during Civil War. So it's like this whole show is built around their relationship. Luckily, they're not presenting them as being super close. They're kind of presenting them as being like, oh, here comes that person. Like, hey, Buck. Like, hey, Sam. You know, it's not super close, which I think is a good choice because otherwise it would be weird if it was like, hey, man, how's it going? I missed you. Like, that wouldn't have worked at all. What about the action elements? And we like seeing them kind of, uh, we saw some cool action bits of the individuals in the last episode. Did we like seeing, seeing them kind of work together on that truck scene? Yeah, this truck scene did not really work for me at all. I guess it's because we've seen them take on bigger threats than just supers, like people with super strength. So it, it kind of seemed like they should have been able to handle this, guys. Like, I don't think they should have gotten their asses kicked as easy as they did. I did like having new Captain America and Battlestar, as he's called. Weird that name. Was a, that was the weirdest line of the show for me. Like, I get <laughs> yeah. that's his name in the comics, but him, <laughs> you know what was weird? It was like him saying, I'm Battlestar, and then Bucky's like, pull over. I was like, what? What a weird reaction. Was he so offended by that name? Having them join the fight added a cool element just because the shield got added in. But overall, like the action I thought was kind of lame this week compared to that fucking wingsuit and sweet Winter Soldier things we got in episode one. I completely agree. That's why it felt a little bit lesser than I thought because we got so much cool stuff last time. Are you guys on board with me, though? Did you think they should have been able to handle these guys a little bit easier than they did? I think so. I was thinking like, oh, man, we're going to see... Bucky and Sam come in and just like they're gonna put aside their differences for a second and just like kick ass like old school Avengers. Especially when they're talking about hey, it's always androids, aliens or wizards. We fought all of these people. How can they not handle super soldiers? Like it just doesn't seem like it should have been that hard. I thought Sam held his own. We saw Sam fight Bucky in Winter Soldier. Bucky being a super soldier and he was able to kind of hold his own to a degree. But whenever there's like five coming at you and it's just this narrow space on top of a truck I thought Sam held his own. The one that I was a bit disappointed by was Bucky. I mean, he's a super soldier. And I get he was surprised by uh, the leader punching him because he didn't realize that she was the leader. But then he just like is like held down on top of the truck for like a minute. And it's like, he's not doing anything. I was wondering if he was trying to follow those rules, though, that Dr. Rainer set for him. Possibly. He didn't mention it, so possibly. So is it weird for you guys that Walker doesn't have super strength? Like that he didn't get the super soldier serum since he became Captain America. That was weird for me. I thought he for sure would have had that. I kind of like that that development with him, that he didn't have it, and that they brought in the fact that he just has a super good resume. He has four Medal of Honors. Uh, he works out like eight hours a day. He's just in super good shape, and he's super coordinated. He has 20-20 vision. He's just like the perfect normal human being. So I kind of I kind of liked that aspect of it. It just feels like all of that though should have qualified him for the Super Soldier program, kind of like Steve Rogers had to. I guess the problem is that we don't fully understand the Super Soldier program when it comes to modern day, because we know these Flag Smashers have it, but I guess if they're implying that Walker doesn't, it means the government didn't give it to him, which means maybe they don't have it, which then makes this interesting element of how do the Flag Smashers get it? So maybe there just was not even an option that Walker would get it. Maybe that's not even a thing anymore for the U.S. government. Like, we're not going to give you the serum. But like Keith said, he has this incredible resume. So it's like he seems to fit the qualifications. So I guess that was it. But to your original point, I was I was surprised. I think by the end, I was pleasantly surprised. But yeah, I was ultimately like, oh, I, I kind of figured he would have the serum. But he didn't. It just kind of seems like if he doesn't have it, why is he here? Like, they just gave a, a dude off the... 
I get he's not a dude off the street, but it literally is like they just plucked up a civilian and were like, here's the shield, good luck. Like, it, he has no, like, prior experience being a superhero. It just seems like they should have maybe gone to another member of the Avengers and been like, hey, do you want the shield? Yeah, I think you're asking the right questions, Austin, because, again, the fact that he doesn't have the serum makes it all the more weird that they passed up Sam for it. That makes it all the more weird. Yeah. I think they might be setting up a really cool arc where maybe John Walker is going to get his ass kicked by these flag smashers to a point where he's like, I have to live up to Steve Rogers mantle. So I am going to take the serum. Like he finds the serum and he takes it and then it turns him into this crazy fucked up villain or something. But then Sam takes up the mantle of Captain America without ever having to take the serum. And it's like, oh, so that so somebody can be Captain America and embody these ideals without the serum. And it's Sam, not Walker. So let's break that down a little bit more, because it sounds like that's kind of your theory for John Walker's character on the show. Uh, like you kind of said in the plot summary, he clearly does have a desire to take up the Captain America mantle. Like we've mentioned, he does have this really impressive resume. Um, for the moment, it doesn't seem like he does have any evil motivations, but there clearly is going to be some tension with Sam and Bucky. Do we think by the end of the show he turns into the antagonist, or is he going to kind of stay this good guy for the duration of the show? I'd love to see him stay the good guy, but I don't think he will. Knowing knowing Wyatt Russell and the characters that he plays, he always ends up turning bad somehow. So well, also, Keith, to that point, if anybody's going to become Captain America, it's Sam. So if Sam does, then Walker can't. And if Walker can't, where does that leave him? Maybe not a villain. Maybe he's still a good guy that just gives up the mantle, so to speak. But... I feel like I would, I would lean towards he'd probably be villainous in favor of Sam becoming the hero. Or maybe he stays like a good guy and maybe he dies. Maybe there, maybe we get a death. Is there any way you guys think that he still is Captain America at the end of this miniseries? No, I don't. I yeah, I just don't think that would work with the. I mean, having the the ending of Avengers Endgame is literally steve passing the mantle on to sam it's not like that kind of randomly happened in there somewhere that's the end so for them in the follow-up like tv series to like wyatt russell gets it i'm gonna be falcon i know i'm oversimplifying but i just don't think that would work for the future maybe but i don't i would lean towards i don't think so is there any way okay maybe he's not captain america do you guys see any way that he's still like a member of the Avengers at the end of the show. See, that would be cool to me. That would be cool. If he stays a good guy and joins the team somehow, that could be really cool. I, I feel like if he's going to join the team, though, without the Captain America stuff, he's going to need that super soldier serum. Yeah, though. probably. Like, what, what else is he going to do? Just like, all right, we're enrolling the U.S. military now into the Avengers. Come on. Well, I mean, maybe he can do something like what Sam, because remember Sam was just an Air Force guy before he became the Falcon, and then he ended up getting the Falcon wings and becoming an Avenger from that. So maybe it would be something like that where he ends up getting some sort of exoskeleton, like, I don't know, some kind of artillery thing. I think we got that, though, with Rhodey. There's just not, I just don't think there's a lot of room left for, like, civilians to join anymore. Like, I think we kind of need some more powerful beings getting on the team. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Were there any highlights, though, um, of, like, the conversations they had, whether it be at the end of the episode or particularly when they were in the truck after after the fight were there any highlights with the walker character trying to clearly 
acquiesce to Sam and Bucky? Did any of that work for you? Is that interesting? All that actually really worked for me. The only thing that the only thing that didn't work for me is at the end, and he's like, "Well, you better stay out of my way." It's like, right. who are you to say that, dude? Do you not understand what these guys have been through? Like, it feels like he just does not have the place to say, "Stay out of my way," like, to any of the Avengers, really, like, especially Sam and Bucky. Yeah, it was kind of uncharacteristic of him when he said that. I, I don't know. It just kind of came out of nowhere for me. I wasn't really expecting that. Yeah, that was really the only hint towards something like that. Um, before we moved on, I also wanted to see, I really liked Clay Bennett as Lamar Hoskins. Again, the, the whole like, I'm Battlestar. And it's like, pull over. It was, I'm so confused what's happening right now. But they just need, there needed to be another line from Bucky there. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's the worst name I've ever heard or something like that, you know? But it, it was weird that he just gets out like he's so offended by <laughs> yes, that. Yes, exactly, exactly. But I really liked him. And I really liked, again, it seemed like kind of a humanizing dynamic between him and John Walker. Again, Keith, to your point, maybe he dies and that maybe sets off John Walker down a path that he can't come back from. But I did want to bring it up because we're going to, we are going to be talking about race and some of our next points. I found it very striking in a good way, an interesting way, and maybe some kind of dark ways that, oh, wow, they introduced a new Captain America. And he has a black sidekick. And I'm not saying that as a joke. I just think they are really trying to hammer home a black person in this world cannot be Captain America in the eyes of the U.S. government or in their view, just America cannot have that. So I really found that important to have that character and how he's used. I hope it's not just as a prop because uh, so far I thought he was pretty cool in the action. So I really hope to get more of him and it's actually interesting as opposed to just that. But besides that, I do think it was on purpose to have that there. To me, he actually has more of the Steve Roger traits than John Walker does because he's diving into this action without the shield. Like he's just there. That's true. He saves Falcon. He saves Bucky a little bit. And then he also like, he also does what he can to try and save John Walker uh, before, you know, kind of getting shoved off the truck and landing on the shield. So I, I, I really enjoyed his character too. He had some pretty cool moments in this action. Yeah. I like the scene where he first comes into the, the I guess it was the locker room whenever John Walker's sitting there kind of get it, trying to get his head together and he comes in and he kind of just gives him a little pep talk. In that scene too, Keith, he actually seems to have a better understanding of what the role of Captain America takes. Because remember, he's like, this is the job. Like this, all of this is what you signed up for. You need to be this public face. So I, I really yeah. enjoyed all that from him. It seems like I, I could see an arc from him too, where maybe he thinks he deserves to take up the mantle of Captain America. Yeah, because why Russell, remember before he comes in, uh, John Walker is sitting there and he's not like, not like pouting, but he's kind of like, man, this is a lot to live up to. And his girlfriend comes in. I liked them. I thought their relationship was good. I liked the fact that Walker had that element, that kind of relationship element. And it was a great talk as well. But whenever they fucking did like the, the pinky promise that you kiss, like, I was like, what are we? Are we in fifth grade? What is this? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why that bothered me so much. <laughs> you guys actually don't know this, but, uh, a big portion of when you get married, actually, the wedding planning is you uh, you come up with a secret handshake like that. Every every spouse knows this, but as you get married, they before you walk down the aisle, you have to come up with your own secret handshake. Wow. I like it. I like it. Mine's going to be... <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to cut this. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so kind of speaking of the super soldier and the whole new Captain America element, I, I guess an element that I had never really thought of with Captain America is that with his creation, the U.S. did successfully develop a super soldier program. So with him going on ice and then Hydra having Bucky, of course they would need to use that for future wars. 
which takes us into the introduction of Isaiah, uh, a, a veteran of the Korean War and a black super soldier. This is one of my favorite parts of this this episode. I thought I really liked his character. That was really real. That he's just kind of like he's just pissed off, and that Buck. It, it's a lot of times in in shows and TV and in, in just Hollywood in general. They're able to like make up in like five seconds. I like that he just yelled at him to get the hell out of his house. I mean, that was I thought that was a little bit more realistic than you see in most movies and TV shows when they're like, "I'm mad at you, but now, let's now I'm now we're good." It kind of seemed like Bucky thought that was going to happen too, because he's like, "They have what made us. They have they have that. I need your help." And I, I love I love the fact that he still was like, "Get out of my house." Like it really drove home the point for me that these two do have a history. Yeah, another character. I'm so curious. How does this play into it, the later episodes of the season? But I mean, the highlight here for me was, again, we're, we've talked about race, which I think for this show, when it comes to Sam taking up the mantle is very apropos, but also very relevant for the scene that follows, where, of course, Sam and Bucky are walking down the street, just kind of not like yelling at each other, but just they're clearly in a bit of an argument. And then two cop cars with four cops total come out like, hey, sir, are you OK? It's like, clearly, this is relevant to talk about. but. Going back to the Isaiah Bradley scene, we talked a lot about last week about how Bucky Barnes is like the most traumatic character in the MCU. And I think in a lot of ways that's true. But to meet a character like this, it makes you go, oh man, there's always something worse. I mean, Bucky, clearly he's been fighting for like 90 years as we talked about, but in a fucked up way, at least when he wasn't, he was on ice. Don't really remember that. You know what Isaiah Bradley remembers? Being in jail for 30 years after being a war hero. And having tests being done on him just so they could further study the super soldier program. Yeah, too. just disgusting. But an amazing scene to kind of remind you there's always something that can be worse happening and very effective scene acted so well. And it, I, I, I was getting a bit welled up during this. I was like, I just thought the acting was so good. And I was like, Jesus, like I did not expect this from the show. I love too afterwards that Sam goes, Bucky, you knew you knew there was a black super soldier, didn't say anything. Like I love that he kind of immediately knew like this could have meant something to so many people if this guy had been out in the open, mm. if there had been a black Captain America. Like I love how he instantly like latched onto that. And I'm also just so surprised that we're seeing this on a Disney owned, like in a Marvel show. Like they usually don't like to do this kind of stuff. So I'm so surprised that they're going this deep into this type of material. Great scene. And just like the way they filmed it too, where he, whenever he's getting really angry and like the music kind of drowns out and he just flings the thing into the wall. And it's like, and you see Sam's reaction, like that, this guy's a super soldier. Like so cool. So cool. I'm also surprised with just like how on the nose Marvel is willing to be with some of this stuff too, because like there's a scene too, where the new captain America calls Falcon and Bucky Barnes captains wingmen. I just really like how, how like they're really pointing out that there are no major black characters even really in the avengers yeah either like none of the none of the heavy hitters are black either and so i really like in, in this scene that sam is like how can how could you not have said this like how how has how has this never come up before how am i just now finding out about this like i just, I just thought that scene was so great from anthony mackie yeah and whenever sam walks away from walker earlier it's because i think sam was kind of being receptive to what walker was saying but of course walker along with everybody in the mcu has to end the sentence with if I can't get Cap, at least I can get his wingman on my side. And it's like, fuck you, dude. I'm not Steve Rogers' wingman. He was my friend. I chose to work with him. I'm not his pet. So it's like everybody thinks I am, and I hate it. So I thought that was a great way to finish that scene, too. Speaking of super soldiers, let's kind of switch gears here and go into the 
super soldiers that we've seen so far, uh, and that is with Aaron Kellyman's character, Carly. So after watching this episode and kind of watching their mannerisms, I'm starting to sense that there's like a bigger story behind the scenes with them. And you guys maybe picked up more than I did on it. I don't know. It just seems like there's something different going on besides their common goal to go back to the blip days or pre-blip days, whatever it was. So, and the reason I say that is because watching Aaron Kellyman in the scene with the, the, in the truck with, um, Bucky and how she kind of hesitated at first to, to attack him. Like she didn't go right to him. She kind of like looked at him and kind of seemed scared for a moment and was kind of trying to feel him out. Um, that kind of sparked my interest a little bit on that. And then watching her cry on the airplane too, whenever one of her comrades, uh, sacrifices himself as well. So you kind of see a little bit more emotion with these guys rather than them just being these straight up killers. They they certainly don't seem evil, especially by what they're doing. They're they're stealing vaccines to give to refugees, and they have they kind of have like a growing fan base too. Like even even the German guy who gives them shelter says they're calling you Robin Hood, clearly right. saying that she's taking stuff and, and giving it to people who need it. So I'm I'm really interested to see what's going on with the flag smashers. This. This specific group right here does not seem evil, but it seems like judging from the text they got, they could be like in league with some with a broader organization that maybe maybe evil. That's the question, yeah. Um, and I don't know either. I'm still trying to kind of piece it together myself. I just feel like I agree with what you guys are saying, which is they're clearly not being presented as these super evil group of people like we see in a lot of these types of movies, uh, clearly trying to do good. And it was concerning when it was like, well, they thought life was better during the blip days. And it's like, that alone is cool. But what are you going to do to achieve that? Does that mean that you're going to kill a bunch of people to try and like lower the world's population or something? Because if so, then obviously they're evil. But yeah, to you guys' points, it sounds like they're just trying to serve the underprivileged people that they didn't have to during the blip because there was half of the world's population. So if that's what they're going for, then obviously... I don't think that's evil. It's just who's employing them. Like you said, she got a, a text sent to her that was like, I'm going to kill you. And I was like, why? And yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't know where like the villain comes in when it comes to this organization, if it does at all. And it didn't seem like whenever they were fighting Falcon and Bucky too, it didn't really seem like they were trying to kill them. It seemed like they were just kind of trying to restrain them. I mean, definitely. Yeah, just trying Bucky, to get them yeah. to screw off. Yeah. But yeah, with the, with the hesitation in the truck though. I didn't take that as a hesitation. It looked like she kind of smiled. To me, it looked like she was like, oh, he doesn't, he thinks I'm a hostage. He doesn't realize I, I have super strength. Like that, that's how I kind of took it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I guess I agree with that. I just, I'm still very unclear because like I said, in that one of the final scenes, whenever they're trying to escape on the plane, one of them sacrifices themselves. It's like, the power broker's coming. Like, oh, I'll give you guys time. And it's like, well, who's the power broker? Who is this person? Why are they trying to stop this group of people? What's the motivation? Are they the real evil person in this season? Like, Well, and that scene was weird to me, too, because when that guy sacrifices himself, all those guys get out of the car, but they almost look like agents. Like, they're yeah. telling him to get down and stuff. Like, they don't just immediately gun him down like a criminal organization would. So it almost seemed to me like it was like a federal agency that was after them, yeah. not an evil organization. Yeah, that was very striking to see that last guy, like, on the phone afterwards. Like, they got away. It was like an FBI dude. Very interesting. I don't know. Theory, maybe the power broker gave them the super soldier serum, gave them access to it with the hope that they would do X with it. But then this group of people decided to do Y with it. And they decided, we're actually going to try and make the world better. And now the power broker is out to kill them because it's like, I gave you this serum to do my bidding and you're not. 
so I'm going to kill you. Maybe that's what it is, and maybe that somehow ties into the U.S. government somehow. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good theory. This episode is just full of theories, it so seems many. like. We have a lot of questions. <laughs> and we haven't, we haven't even gotten to the end. <laughs> All right, guys. We're almost done. Let's finish up and talk about Daniel Brühl coming in as Zemo. So I can't exactly remember who he is and what happened to him in any previous film. So can you guys give me and the audience uh, a brief summary of who Zemo is and how he got to where he is? And please give me your theories on how he will play out in the remainder of the show. Matthew, you are our official MCU historian. Okay. So please... Give us some background on Zemo. I was going to say, Keith, Austin asked me a similar question like at the end of last week. And it was like, oh, you didn't remember that? And Austin was like, how do you remember all these stupid like side characters? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I wish I did. Um, but yes. So for those that do not remember, it was a very packed movie. That being said, Daniel Brühl as Zemo was technically the big bad of Captain America Civil War. So we last saw him back in 2016. This was the movie where Team Cap, including Bucky and Sam, went up against Team Iron Man, of course, and they battled over the whole Sokovia Accords. But it was revealed throughout the movie that Daniel Brühl as Zemo was actually trying to break apart the Avengers because his, his entire family was killed during Age of Ultron. So during that, the Avengers kind of indirectly caused the death of all these people, including Zemo's family. So he decided he was going to try and pit them against each other to destroy the Avengers from within, basically. And it's revealed at the end, Cap and Iron Man went to those extremes to fight each other, and they broke up. They really weren't a part of the same Avengers at that point. They even referenced in this episode whenever Bucky's like, let's just steal the shield. And Sam was like, last time we did that, Sharon Carter was on the run. And Steve and I, along with the rest of us, were on the run for two years. I love how they have those throwback lines in the show too. Yeah. That was such a great line. Wait, so who? I forget who Sharon Carter is. Yeah, so Sharon Carter is the niece of Peggy Carter, Steve's love from World War II, who's revealed in Winter Soldier to, oh, that's my aunt or whatever. Um, so she and Steve kind of form a bond based on that fact. But yeah, and then, so the Bucky thing, Bucky wasn't a part of that, remember, because after Civil War, in order to get the programming, the Hydra programming out of his mind, he went back under the ice, but he did it in Wakanda, where it was kind of a safe environment, and they purposely tried to remove the messed up programming, which I guess they did to some extent. So he wasn't part of that. So in those years, Steve, um, Natasha Romanoff, a Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Sam Wilson, they were all on the run from the government. They were all fugitives. And that's what they're referring to. And Zemo, obviously, because of the event, was part of creating that aspect. So that's who Zemo is. Basically, in short, Keith, I, I know I went long there, but he was the villain of Civil War that was responsible for dividing the Avengers, which we saw play out in Infinity War and Endgame, the fact that they weren't together at the start. So that's who he is. So he's back. He, we haven't seen him since Civil War, though. I don't know. Do you think he does like the whole like Silence of the Lambs character? type deal where he's like kind of manipulating everything from prison or do you think he actually gets out of prison in this show i think we might see both um but how he would get out i don't know i think the next episode is definitely going to be a very hannibal lecter it's going to be like oh good to see you again bucky like what do you want to know it's going to be really messed up do you think he gets out and we see him in a future mcu project like after the show maybe i mean baron zemo is a very big captain america villain so maybe if they were trying to plan for a Sam as Captain America movie, he could be the villain. 
But it depends on what his role is here, because if he, be, if he becomes the main villain of this show, then I guess you don't need to do that in the future. So I guess we'll see. He's going to have to be the main, like the big bad, right? Like they wouldn't reintroduce him if he wasn't going to be. That's what I would think. All we know so far is what Bucky says. And again, it ties into the Civil War. I won't go into all the details, but basically uh, Zemo is also the one that revealed to Tony Stark, the Winter Soldier killed Tony Stark's parents. And that's what primarily turned them against each other. So he was very familiar with the Winter Soldier's whereabouts and actions and missions in the past and Hydra's secrets, which Bucky says at the end here. He basically says, Walker has no leads. And if we want to figure out what the Flag Smashers are up to, it has to do with the Super Soldier Serum, which Hydra has some connection to because, I mean, they gave it to me. So we need to go to Hydra directly. Only one person knows the secrets, and it's Zemo, who's still in prison. And that's the end of the episode. So that's the justification for going to see him. But again, even with that said, I don't know what role he plays. I wonder if them talking with Zemo then ties into a flashback to the Korean War, and we get to see more of Isaiah and Bucky's history. Seeing a flashback to the Korean War is kind of the one thing I'm really hoping for after this episode. Is there any kind of big thing that jumps out at you guys that you'd hope to see in the remainder of the show? Initial thoughts right now, I mean, I've kind of already said all my theories, so I'll just say I hope we just get to see some awesome action sequences coming up. Um, like we said, the truck scene wasn't the, wasn't the greatest on for me. Uh, I really liked the, the action in the first episode better, um, so I'm hoping we can get a lot more action to come. I agree. I hope we get to see that too. I think my big theories, like I already said, are kind of revolving around Walker and Hoskins. Like, where do they end up? Um, do they, do they just keep getting their asses kicked and they decide they have to get the serum and then that kind of turns them to a more evil path? Can one of them be redeemed? Maybe both of them, does one of them die? I just have no idea. I want to know where this team goes from the future and how they will continue to interact with Sam and Bucky the rest of the season. Would you guys be excited for a Battlestar movie? No, not yet. (laughs) Not yet. I'll say that. (laughs) I need, I need some more Battlestar first. (laughs) I do, I do want more Hoskins, though. I do want more Hoskins. I like Okay. Them, yeah. Well, everybody, I think that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, that really is the best way to help us continue to grow this show. And hey, please leave us reviews as well. Um, even if you don't want to write anything, a starred review on Apple Podcasts really does help. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for the continuation of our look back at the MCU Phase 1. It's time for Iron Man 2. Oh my goodness, thank God. I've been ready for Iron Man 2, everybody's favorite MCU movie. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that, everybody. When it comes to the DCE, we've already talked about, we did a review of the Snyder Cut. Go check that out. Austin and I just recorded a new episode of Co-op Couch where we talked about all the gaming news for the month of March. And we talked about our favorite video game characters in all of gaming. And of course, since you're here, you already kind of know, but just a last reminder, Falcon and Winter Soldier comes out every Friday, which means stay tuned back in your podcast feed. We will be releasing our reviews and thoughts on each of the episodes the following Sunday. And check us out on Instagram at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and upcoming episodes. Please go back and catch up on our first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And please give us your theories on this one as well. And go catch up on Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. And look forward to Iron Man 2 as well. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend. And we will talk to you soon. See ya. See ya. See ya.